We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. Today, I am joined by my DallasBasketball.com colleague. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff for us at, at DallasBasketball.com. He does a lot of great stuff on his YouTube channel uh, and, and other things as well on, on his Twitter page. But it's my guy, Grant Afseth. Uh, we are both preparing for a, a very rushed but very – uh, what should be a fun weekend in Springfield uh, this weekend as Dirk gets enshrined at the at the uh, almost said Dallas basketball at the Naismith Basketball <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh, he is in the Dallas Basketball Hall of Fame too, obviously. But um, we are we are looking forward to having a good time there. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, some of the other things going on in uh, the Mavs news lately, with you know them being strongly linked to Clint Capella as they have been all summer. Uh, so stick with us. Uh, we're going to get things started. To find Hardaway. Maneuvers away from a closeout. Luka maneuvers away from a closeout. And that is about the best dunker we've ever seen out of Luka. This is a holy moment right here. It's real nice. Been a timeout call. But we ain't going nowhere. We're going to let you look at this again a time or two. <laughs> Look at that face. Hi, this is Luka Doncic, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to apologize for not bringing back the, uh, the Dirk intro. Uh, I was hoping I could throw together a video for that, you know, to get it on the YouTube part of things, but I wasn't able to do it. So uh, we'll get Luca for this one. We won't complain about that, but Grant, how you doing, man? How are you uh, holding up as you get ready for this uh, big weekend that's heading for us? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I thought it was uh, a cool experience to be able to go to a press conference for someone who's, um, you know, about to get into the hall of fame, Uh, especially uh, someone that I watched when I was in middle school, like, you know, that run uh, in 2011 Uh, is pretty cool to, be able to, you know, kind of attend that and then, you know, think about going to uh, the actual speech itself and things like that. Uh, it should be very, uh, very interesting for sure. No, I'm very excited about it. I want to give a disclaimer before I go any further. I have been kind of under the weather this week. I feel I'm feeling a lot better than I did the last couple of days. But if I sound like crap, that's why. 
it's been it's been a rough few days, but I got one of those Z Pack things, and I'm I'm feeling much oh, better today. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna be good to go for the weekend. It's only up from here, but yeah, man, uh, it's it's surreal that that this moment has finally come. You know, Dirk, he has he's already been immortalized in so many ways. He's had his jersey retired at American Airlines Center. He has a statue out in front of the arena. He has a street named after him. Uh, he had his German national team uh, jersey retired. So, I mean, all this stuff has happened in the four years since he's retired. And now this is the, the crowning achievement. It's the, it's the top of the mountain. It's the Hall of Fame. It's so cool that he, you know, he's going to be going in with some of his biggest rivals you know, Greg Popovich, Tony Parker, Dwayne Wade, Paul Gasol. I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, uh, you can tell in these in the press conference and some of these other interviews that Dirk has done that he like he doesn't get flustered a lot, but you can tell he's kind of he's kind of nervous. He's kind of anxious. Uh, he's excited, but you know, he's uh he's preparing for this big speech he's going to have to give, and there's going to be so many loved ones and. Uh, former teammates and peers there. And, I mean, it's it's going to be a really fun night. And, you know, I'm really excited that, you know, we both get to be a part of that. And, uh, like I said, it's going to be a rushed weekend, but, you know, it's going to be a very fun one. It's going to be a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really glad that, uh, you know, we, we took the time to do something like this. And, you know, you were talking about – uh, that run being when you were in middle school, I remember I was, it's funny. I was talking about this with my, my co-host uh, Drew Johnson the other day, you know, his biggest moments, the biggest moments in Dirk's career. I can remember exactly where I was for all of them. You know, uh, I remember specifically, you know, it was that uh, there was a game where they had the big comeback in the Western conference finals against the OKC Thunder I was on my senior trip in Destin, uh, and I remember they they went down by so much, and like I was I was frustrated by it. And so me and one of my <laughs> other friends, we just we left the the house we were staying at. We went for a walk, you know, down the beach and everything. When we came back, they made a comeback, and I was just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is amazing!" It's like I, I didn't think that was possible. And then you know, it's um, uh, it's it's kind of the same thing with the. With the finals, they were down 0-1. Uh, my wife, who was uh, it was my girlfriend at the time we were dating, you know, she had a curfew, and so it was game two, and they fell down by so much. Uh, I think it was like 15 with like six minutes or so remaining, and it was getting close to curfew time and everything. So I left. You know, I got her home on time, and then I remember on my way home, my little brother calls me and he's like flipping out. He's like, they came back. They came back. Oh my God. <laughs> and so <laughs> they tied the series one, one. And then after that, we uh, went and got our tickets uh, for game four in Dallas. And I, and, you know, they won that game. That was the Dirk fever game. And then uh, they didn't lose a game the rest of the series there. So, I mean, there's so many different Dirk memories I have. You know, another – and I'll, I'll quit rambling after this and let you get on in, in, on in on it too. But my first actual Mavs game I attended live – I've watched – I mean, I watched plenty before it. But the first one I attended live, uh, 
me and my family were coming through Dallas in 2006. And we just so happened to see a billboard that was up as like game five of the Western Conference Finals against the Suns. And we found a scalper and got <laughs> tickets last second. It was like nosebleed tickets last second got from a scalper. And that was the game where Dirk scored 50 points and, you know, they ended up winning that one. So that was a pretty good initiation that, that kind of set the fire from there. I was already, you know, a casual fan before that, but then I was like super fan after that and it just kind of snowballed, but so many great memories. Uh, I love it for Dirk. And I mean, I, I got the chance to talk with him, you know, on a handful of occasions, uh, when the Mavs played in New Orleans and I'd go down there uh, for games. So I'm just – I'm glad this is something that I'm going to get to experience and I get to see him fully enjoy with his family and, and you know, his other peers and everything. But anyway, I've rambled enough. What are some of your, you know, best Dirk memories? I think one uh, that's kind of like random, but when I was at ASU, um, I went to Luca's first game uh like as a fan i thought it was kind of cool to be able to you know with him uh being on there as well like kind of just seeing the whole uh, uh i guess you could say like like the limited window of time that those two were uh teammates together um uh, that was kind of a cool thing um myself but um you know overall i think like uh throughout the whole 2011 run it was just kind of cool uh because I, I i played you know basketball at the time and so, like, just, you know, after a game uh, and just seeing highlights of, like, the, you know, the run throughout, like, against the Lakers, like, the blowout that they had, the huge, uh, you know, uh, I forgot what game it was in the series, but, you know, that just, like, complete, like, dismantling that they had. Um, and just, like, throughout that whole run, it was, like, a lot of, like, you know, star-studded, uh, you know, teams, uh, like, iconic, like, players and all that stuff. Like, it was just... It was just like a crazy thing to like in general, just in basketball history, to be able to like watch from start to finish and then see like the ups and downs and all that stuff. And it was, you know, like when you're in the city too, it's just a crazy, uh, uh, you know, cool thing to be able to like see people be excited about, you know, a team really like pulling it off and then celebrating it afterwards as well. Like, you know, that was, that was definitely a very, uh, you know, cool thing for sure. It is really cool that, you know, Dirk and Luca's careers intersected for just a small amount of time I mean I know I know it was just one season and they didn't make the playoffs and Dirk he was you know kind of a a shell of his former self at that point you know he didn't even practice that that yeah. last year yeah just uh, seeing him like on the court you know or just <laughs> together it was like you know like like the the end of one uh you know cool era and then the start of another era it's like that was a cool uh you know, it's a cool like little year uh, to kind of see that uh you know even though he was like definitely on the you know the, the downside or, or the end of his career for sure and it's not to say that Luca wouldn't be what he is right now because he I mean he obviously would have been but you have to think that you know having a full year to be around Dirk and you know see his work ethic and you know how he carries himself off the court and stuff like that you have to think that that was a good initiation for Luca coming into the league a good um a good influence for him you know right off the bat so that was cool um you know uh, it even after the finals there were still so many cool dark moments like uh I'll never forget it was the season I can't remember if it was the season after the finals 
year or it was the season after that, 2012 or 2013. But I remember the roster was just awful. Like it was, it was so bad. It, they had no business being even a 500 team. But between Dirk and Rick Carlisle, they ended up uh, working their way back. I remember they had the 500 beards. <laughs> they all agreed that they weren't going to shave until they got back to 500 because they fell like six or seven games under 500 at one point. And <clears throat> one of the last games of the season, they were playing in New Orleans. And they were one game under 500. I was at that one. And I'll never forget, they ended up winning. And Dirk was just so happy going back to the locker room. He was going straight for that razor and shaving <laughs> his beard that he, he had had for like two months at that point. So, you know, just little stuff like that. You had the, um, you know, the 2014 series against the Spurs. They were the eight seed going against the top seed Spurs. And, uh, you know, I think that they could have won that series if Dwan Blair hadn't been suspended late in the series. But, you know, it's just you know, Vince Carter hitting that buzzer beater in game three and uh, giving them hope, you know, at, toward the end of his career. I mean, stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm glad he got to be a part of. And, you know, he didn't necessarily compete for a title after 2011, but, you know, he, the teams were still competitive. Uh, and, you know, he got to he got to end his career with some dignity. You know, it, it wasn't as good as it could have been. But, they, you know, the Mavs, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and it took bottoming out toward the end of all that just so they could get Luca, And they still almost didn't get Luca. They had to trade uh, with the Hawks to get him. So, you know, um, but hopefully things are, you know, trending upward for the Mavs now as far as their team building goes. They missed the playoffs last year, but, you know, they only had 16 games where Kyrie and Luca played together, uh, only 20 games with Kyrie period on the team. Uh, and both of those guys had nagging injuries. Luca with his uh, quad, I believe it was, and then Kyrie with the plantar fasciitis uh, injury. So now they have a full off season to get healthy, to build chemistry, to get more acquainted with each other, uh, and they'll be able to start fresh right off the bat. Not only that, but they've upgraded the team in general. You know, the they in my opinion, they knocked the draft out of the park. Derek Lively, uh, they got Omax Prosper, who, you know, both of those guys I think could contrib contribute from day one. Uh, and then you got guys like Grant Williams, Seth Curry, uh, maybe a Dante Exum could, you know, find his way into, you know, playing a factor on the margins there. So, you know, overall, they've improved a lot. And I want to get your take on, you know, the offseason in general because I know we've talked about it, you know, through text and stuff like that. But just here on the pod now, I mean, what what do you think about what the Mavs have done so far this offseason to improve their chances going into next season? Yeah, I think adding more, like, bigger frame uh, options at the four spot was very important. Um, you know, they got that done with Grant Williams uh, and then, you know, Omax as well. Um, you know, I think that that was something that really stood out, like, uh, you know, throughout that like post Kyrie trade period where, you know, Dorian Finney Smith, uh, you know, not being there anymore at like six, seven, two twenty pounds. Uh, and now they have, you know, like Reggie Bullock, uh, at six, six, 200 pounds playing that four until they started like kind of, 
I guess you could say just experimenting uh, to the very end where it was like big lineups and then, yeah. you know, super small lineups. And now there's more of like a base, uh, I guess you could say like configuration where, uh, you know, it would be like, you know, with Grant Williams at the four, you know, you can go with Omax, uh, you know, throughout plug and play lineups, just having those like that base identity that's more successful and more like conducive to winning. Um, I think, uh, you know, that that's a big thing that they uh, accomplished. And then, you know, like the center position, um, you know, wanting to remake that spot, um, you know, adding Derek Lively. It remains to be seen like how quickly he'll be, you know, utilized or like, you know, comfortable with NBA uh, level of, you know, like getting used to playing as NBA athletes, the concepts, all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, big picture wise, I think he's got all the tools uh, that they would want uh, or a team would want, I should say, um, in like that kind of dirty work, like shot blocking, rim rolling five. Um, and, you know, I think he showed a lot of stuff at summer league as well. Like, um, you know, he, it was a good opportunity to get a good, like five games with limited practice time on the fly, kind of going through the, uh, you know, the schemes and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think he fared pretty well. There's still some stuff with timing and all that that he'll have to, uh, you know, improve, which is expected for any young big man, especially a one-and-done guy. But, you know, overall, I think they did, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff. They kind of did their work, I guess you could say, a little bit uh, during the year when you make a trade for, like, a Kyrie Irving. Uh, that was – I remember, like, no matter how many, like, role players you have, uh, you know, leading into that trade deadline, the whole, the whole like, narrative, I guess, was like, you know – it's cute that you have role players, but you need a co-star uh, that, you know, with Jalen Brunson got, and then they got, uh, you know, that transaction done. And, you know, that's, that's the big piece, if you will. And then, you know, going into an off season, as you said, to get healthy uh, after things didn't work out quite as, you know, probably like intended. Um, but, you know, having a full training camp, something that Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, often brought up, uh, you know, at key points of that, like, uh, you know, final 20 game stretch or whatever it was uh, saying that, like, you know, we're basically going through the ugly period uh, learning our, our each other's games uh, while we're playing high stakes, like must win games while everyone else has kind of had continuity. Uh, you know, like that's stuff that, you know, he felt would be, you know, more appropriate to like kind of iron out in training camp in an ideal setting. So you know, just all that stuff kind of factored in. I think there's a lot of things kind of, as you said, with your, uh, with your illness, there's only up from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my, exactly. uh, my, my general thought with all those things kind of thrown into one for sure. Well, what I've noticed it, you know, anybody, anybody outside of Mav circles, whether it's media or fans or whomever, you know, it seems like if you're if you're not in Mav circles, you're skeptical, super skeptical, based on just how the season ended last year. But I mean, there's just there's so much more that factors into that than just oh they traded for Kyrie and Kyrie tanked the season. That's not that's not what happened. You know, the the numbers between Luca and Kyrie specifically were incredible. They're off the charts. They had a, I think it was like a little over. Four, like 4.2 net rating. Their offensive rating was near 120 together. I mean, they they had it going, but they didn't have the depth. They didn't have the right defensive pieces, and that's where, you know, the draft comes into play, you know, Omax and Lively and then adding Grant Williams. And look, even with the center position, like Rashawn Holmes, he's not going to help you defensively, but – you know, given where the, the Mavs center position has been over the last couple of years, he could help out a lot. 
I mean, his last, the last, before the Kings traded for uh, Sabonis. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, from the Pacers, you know, Rashawn Holmes, he had a great year statistically. Uh, and, you know, everybody said, oh, but their defense was worse in the league. But, you know, the, the Pacers traded Sabonis uh, for Tyrese Halliburton. And even before and after that trade, the Pacers defense wasn't great. So, I mean, that didn't have anything to do with, uh, with Rashawn Holmes. So, I mean, I know he's not a great defender, but I think he could help out a little bit too. And, uh, you know, there's still potential for moves to be made or at least one move to be made before the season starts. And, you know, according to to BetUS, and, you know, I wrote about this on DallasBasketball.com, tweeted out the other day, uh, the odds for Mavs starting center on opening night, uh, Clint Capella is the favorite (laughs) to be the Mavs starting, a guy that's not even on the team is the favorite to be the Mavs starting center. So, naturally, everybody's like, well, what does Vegas know? Well, then a few hours later, uh, uh, the Athletic comes out with a report saying that, you know, the Hawks have been the most serious suitor for Pascal Siakam with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and it gets to, you get to thinking, like, well, maybe a deal there could be done here soon. And if so then the Hawks will need a third team for Capella, and there you go. You know, he could be on the map. So maybe there's, you know, some stuff happening behind the scenes that's closer to being done than, than what we think. But what's your thoughts on, you know, the Clint Capella stuff? Well, I, I well, before that, what are your thoughts on how Rashawn Holmes could contribute if he gets an opportunity? And then, you know, uh, how aggressive the map should be about getting Capella? Yeah, for sure. I think effectively – um, you know, if the expectation for Rashawn Holmes is that he'll, you know, more likely be, I guess, the the backup center, um, not necessarily like starting center. I mean, we don't really know yet, but just kind of like my my uh, frame of thinking of it. 
um, since, you know, like Dwight Powell was, you know, consistently viewed as like the, the safer, like stabilize the, 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 you know, unit type of option, uh, you know, throughout last season and started the most games. Um, so if Rashawn Holmes was, you know, coming off the bench, I think he could provide like a helpful, like, you know, pick and roll, uh, you know, kind of partner for, you know, really like whoever's running that bench unit, most likely Kyrie Irving. Um, and then, you know, whoever else within the backup, uh, group since, you know, Kyrie had his minutes staggered with Luca, uh, you know, in the games that they had last year. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that, that would probably work out pretty well. Um, you know, those two, uh, feeding off of each other. Um, and I think defensively, he's not really a rim protector, but I think, uh, I guess what you're really effectively comparing is probably his impact defensively compared to like a Christian Wood, since, you know, you'd be comparing like, you know, the backup fives. And I mean, I don't think you would really be uh, like losing anything by going from, you know, Christian Wood or Rashawn Holmes defensively, since that was, you know, a pitfall, if you will, or a, a concern uh, right. or a downside. So I think uh, what you're gaining is more of a like an offensive player that you can involve within the flow uh, as that roll man or, you know, a cutter. Um, and you're not really going to slow the the game down, I guess, to kind of work it inside as much. And that's not really a knock on Christian Wood. It's just, you know, like that's kind of the style they played for a good chunk of the year, even with Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, you know, when he was running the bench unit, it was a lot of like, you know, mismatch hunting, if you will. Um, so I think, um, you know, you you probably play more like pick and roll based, um, you know, involve some of the, you know, the, the other guards as well, too. Like, because we don't really know who's going to be, you know, like the second unit this or whatever around, you know, Kyrie and Rashawn Holmes in this hypothetical. But I think in that frame, that would be a very like solid, arrangement um you know it remains to be seen like where Derek lively would really be worked in uh you know with all of that taken into consideration um but you know i think as a starter i don't think him or dwight powell would be you know speaking about um like to be clear i i should say rashawn holmes not because i continue to talk and uh, (laughs) i brought up Derek lively and said he but uh i don't think it'd be ideal you know, in a, in a perfect world to have, you know, Dwight Powell or Rashawn Holmes as a starting center for a, you know, a expiring or aspiring contender. So I think with that in mind, they're not going to be long-term solutions, but, you know, I think in the short term, it's a safe stopgap option that plays within the flow. And at least you're going to get effort defensively as well. Like, it's not like, you know, one of those like fits like a, like a team bringing in someone who's, you know, where like there's a risk of, you know, the the need to rely on offensive production. And if that doesn't come or get worked into the fold, then there's not really an area uh, to m- impact the game. So I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, clean elements to the fit, uh, regardless of whether it's starting on the bench. But, you know, long term, that's definitely not the goal uh, to, ha- to involve as a starter. So I think uh, short term, it's definitely a, a solid option. Well, I mean, and another thing, and bringing up the Christian Wood thing, again, I mean, it's not a knock to Christian Wood, but I feel like the mindset between him and, say, Rashawn Holmes is a little bit different. You know, Christian Wood views himself as a starter. So, naturally, he was, you know, a little upset that he wasn't starting, you know, every game with with Jason Kidd, you know, choosing to – uh, his minutes actually decreased more as the season went on uh, after the trade deadline. But in Rashawn Holmes's case, you know, the guy has been glued to the bench over the last year, year and a half. I'm sure he'd be happy to get any minutes he can possibly get. And, you know, given Dwight Powell's limitations and given Derek Lively's 
uh, inexperience, there should be a, an opportunity for him to get some minutes, uh, especially in the early goings of this season, assuming that another move isn't made, which will take us into that next point. What do you think about all this Clint Capella smoke? Yeah, I think for the most part, as you said earlier with the, you know, the Pascal Siakam factor, I think that's probably the cleanest sort of like trade, uh, you know, scenario or configuration is the Mavs getting involved as a taker in a three team trade. You know, that's something that I've like, you know, just had a curiosity. I've asked some people, uh, you know, who are pretty knowledgeable around the NBA and that's, that's their take on it. Not like saying like, you know, per sources, like that's the only scenario, but that that's, yeah. you know, overall, like the general idea is that, you know, if they got involved, that'd be a clean fit. Cause there's not a lot of teams, I guess you could say um, that necessarily are in dire need of a center, uh, like a, a stopgap option on a two year deal as, you know, Clint Capella has left on his contract. Um, so I think uh, there's a lot of like natural elements as well. They need a, like a, you know, rim roller, dirty work uh you know kind of specialist with two superstar guards so um i think there's a lot to like about that idea and when you look around the league uh i just don't really see that much of a of a you know better short-term trade partner fit uh so i think it would make a lot of sense and that kind of ties into the whole element of that's more of the the raptors and the hawks business to sort out if you will like uh they probably have to figure out what they've got going on. And then uh, Siakam would have to uh, also want to stay in Atlanta uh, since, you know, trading for an all NBA type of player uh, requires quite a bit of compensation, regardless of like the expiring deal or short-term remaining contract. Um, So I think that that's probably like the, the main factors in that, because I'm sure the Mavericks would like to have, you know, Capella, but the other uh, elements to it would need to solve their business uh, to kind of make that happen for sure. Well, and, you know, some people are like, well, why, why would the Hawks trade Capella? I mean, why not just why not just get Pascal Siakam and, you know, keep Capella? I mean, you'd be in, the Hawks would be in sort of a money crunch if they did that, you know, based on what he makes. So, I mean, and you, you've got a Kongwu. I think I said that name, a Kongwu. Uh, he, he's up and coming, and he is not making near as much as Capella, and he can step in as a starter now. I think he's developed that point where he could be the starter for them going forward. Uh, so you have him, and you need to trade Capella. The Raptors don't need Capella because they re-signed Jakob Pertl. Uh, so it just makes sense to have a third team, and the Mavs are the ideal team, you know, based on the, basically their needs. I mean, some people might not think they they need a true starting veteran center, you know, like what they've been wanting all summer, but based on what their self-proclaimed needs are, you know, it makes it makes a lot of sense. So, we'll see how it goes. You know, the the betting odds I, that was that was pretty interesting to me that you know, for the odds for the Mavs opening night starting center, it was a guy that isn't even on the team, not yet. So naturally that gets you to raise your eyebrows. It's like, okay, what what do they know? (laughs) Are those trade talks with Siakam and and the Hawks, are they a little bit further along than, than what we think, you know, is, is, uh, is Woj going to drop a bomb on us here? In the next day or so, we'll just, you know, we'll have to see. Speaking of, of bombs, I, I just wanted to mention this. Uh, Sham Sharania of Athletic uh, just reported that the Phoenix Suns are retiring 
uh, Sean Marion's number 31, and Amari Stoudemire's number 32. Um, so that's pretty cool. Former Maverick Sean Marion getting his number 31 retired. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he was with the Mavs long enough to have his number zero retired, but, you know, uh, he was still a big part of that championship team. And he'll be one of the guys in attendance uh, for for Dirk's Hall of Fame ceremony uh, this weekend. So, Grant, I appreciate you joining me uh, again. You know, I, I hope you have a great weekend. I know I'm going to uh, soak it all in. You know, I'm going to – I know this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity – I know uh, it's going to be emotional for Dirk and his family and, you know, all the other uh, people that have been tied to his career that are in attendance. And uh, I'm just – I'm super excited for it. I'm ready to actually get there and experience the cooler weather than what we have down here in the south. Uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet. (laughs) I bet bet you would love to get up there. (laughs) You know, my my truck thermostat, you know, I don't know how accurate it is, but the other day it said 105 degrees, and I was just like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'm ready to get up north where it's 20 degrees cooler, less humidity, uh, and uh, we're going to have a good time. So, um, guys, we appreciate y'all checking in and listening to the Mass Step Back podcast podcast per usual be sure to check out all of our work at dallasbasketball.com we have a lot of stuff up this week and there is plenty more coming throughout the rest of the week and throughout the weekend uh, for Dirk's hall of fame enshrinement so we appreciate it y'all have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next time everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.